Welcome into your Monday edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad back at it with my people, Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik. And folks, Cincinnati Football Insider, the three best words you'll hear. 14-day free trial. Doesn't get better than that. It's only $4.99 a month if you subscribe to get the best text and coverage that will cut through the cloth and clutter of social media. You will not be charged until the end of that 14-day free trial. You can sign up by going to cleveland.com slash bangles. Make sure you click on the blue banner at the top, or if it's easier, send a text message to 513-949-4147. So, my friends, the Bengals are 3-3, three and three, which is the good part. The not-so-good part is we don't know what the defensive game plan is going to look like with Logan Wilson week-to-week. Uh, day-to-day, rather. Josh Tupo, week-to-week. DJ Reader may not be ready by Cleveland. Definitely won't be ready for Atlanta. So it does shake things up a little bit. I don't think it's a dire situation, but it is something to keep an eye on. It's, I mean, it's pretty close to dire. Um, you know, you still got the two defensive ends in, in Hendrickson and, and Hubbard, which is obviously a, a plus. And, you know, B.J. Hill, um, you know, I know Mike talked to him today in the locker room. You know, B.J. Hill played a pretty good game yesterday in new orleans but i mean you're, you're talking about a schedule that has over the next couple of weeks it has nick chubb on it yeah it has derrick henry on it it has Najee harris on it like this is not a schedule apart like we can i, I know this is kind of the easy quote-unquote and it's funny it, it, like if, if you learn nothing else from watching these nfl games nothing is easy because like <laughs> the steelers just beat the bucks but like the the interesting thing to me here is how many of these guys gunter tupo uh uh, with with Wilson, like how many of these guys are going to go on IR, and how many of these guys do they think are going to be back in enough time to where an IR stop is not really going to matter? Because if you have to put all of those guys on IR, you know that maybe come back for short term IR, you're talking about bringing out practice squad guys, or you were talking about bringing in guys from outside of the organization. You know, maybe they just got cut, maybe they haven't been playing this year. Like you're you're talking about situations that are not great. Um, you know, the run defense has been pretty good, but, you know, it's right up the middle where you're losing these guys. And, and I understand that the NFL is a passing league and, you know, you still have all your corners. Um, you know, you still have your pass rushers. Cam Taylor Britt, the team's second round pick, has not played yet. So, like, there is, they are, there is reinforcements and they, they are still talented at the edge and when it comes to the pass game. But the run game right now, the run defense has got to be, I mean, that's pretty scary. Well, they've... The way the schedule shapes up, I'd be surprised if a lot of them do go on IR because they've got the bye week after Cleveland. So, I mean, right. that adds an extra week to sort of try to well, avoid... the week after Cleveland. Right, the week yeah. after Cleveland. So you have three games so and a bye, yeah. Yeah, so um, two games, isn't it? It's No, it's Atlanta, it's Cleveland, it's Carolina. And then the bye. And a bye. Oh, okay. So, and yeah, then but it's still, Pittsburgh and so, Tennessee. So you still, you'd, you'd probably want to hold off so you can just do the three games instead of the four because you got the bye included. Uh, Tupo, he did say, would, would be out at least a couple weeks. I would think he's the likeliest candidate to go. But they still have that open roster spot, correct? Right, um, yeah. So they still, they, they still have that. Uh, Tyler Shelvin, who uh, was called up for the... Uh, Ravens game would probably be a likely call up right right away yeah. on the active roster. They also have uh, Dominic Davis, who I don't know much about on the practice squad, who's a defensive tackle. Um, so you kind of make the immediate move. I think Tyler Shelvin comes up. Uh, you got Zach Carter, uh, you know, kind of holding down kind of the fort for 
you know, probably get the start uh, alongside B.J. Hill. And then, you know, B.J., uh, you know, is going to get a lot of snaps. He said even if he wanted to rest on Sunday, he probably couldn't have gotten yeah. one. Played 66 snaps. was the most he's played uh, since 2018. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the defensive front is concerning because then, you know, Lou talked about, well, what if you lose somebody else? Then, the, you know, the, just the pressure keeps adding. Um, you know, Logan Wilson, they've got uh, some some really good linebackers. You know, Jermaine Pratt and uh, Akeem can kind of hold that down, I think, you know, and then, um, you know, get them through that one week if, you know, if it's a short-term deal. But they, they were the most vague about Logan Wilson's status. And, yeah. and it sounded like he was going to – uh, get a second uh, opinion, and Marcus Bailey uh, is the backup. You know, listed as the backup middle linebacker. I'm not sure how they'll do that if you know Jermaine kind of slides over and then he plays next to Akeem Davis, who's you know the most experienced guy uh, of the backups at linebacker, or how that will all shake up. Yeah, and it, it's an, it's a it's a tight line to balance. Like Lou Anarumo kind of mentioned, and he said that they could use Trey Flowers too. In some of those well, that, so that, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Like this isn't one of those situations where it necessarily has to be a one for one replacement now, on the right. D line probably but like if Logan Wilson's going to be out for you know for three games let's say I'm just throwing a number out there like there are different ways that you can kind of make up for that now well and you go to a nickel you go to a nickel and then you see more Dax Hill you see more Trey Flowers like there are workarounds to this but like Lou said probably the guy on rundowns versus Dax right exactly there are workarounds to this but like like Lou said there is a kind of a balance of like trying not to veer from what you want to do and what you have to do but also kind Kind of leaning into what some of these guys' skill sets are going to be because, like, obviously Dax Hill, you know, way better in coverage than, than a Logan Wilson is. So you're going to have to kind of balance that over these next couple of games, however long these guys may be out, whether it's one game, whether it's zero games, whether it's, you know, four games, whatever it's going to be, you're going to have to balance a lot of these sub-packages. And there's so no, that's going to be big. And, there, you know, I think that obviously the defensive line is more concerning. And then DJ right. Reader's status is still up in the air. He was asked about that today. No timeline. He's eligible to play against Cleveland. Um, but they're not going to probably be in a rush, especially. God, do they need him against Cleveland? But, oh, they but, really but, need him. But if you can get him, I mean, if you can get him to the buy and get hit, you know, you want him for the stretch run. So if you right. can kind of make do with what you got, because you know, you lose him for December in the playoffs, you're really in a bad shape. Right. You know, I think they're looking at, you know, you want that whole group healthy uh, for the last six games, and you know, this is a stretch where. I just think you kind of you know tie, get whatever pieces you need to kind of hold down the right. fort because uh, I think you want to be your healthiest. Kind of band-aid this thing yeah, together. Yeah, because I don't think they want to rush Reader back, you know, and the punishment they take at that position too, you know, they're going to be more cautious with him. Uh, but he's a guy, obviously, a captain that's going to try to go when he, you know, the minute he can. Um, so that's kind of the reinforcement that you'd like to have right off the way, you know, bat, but that's not for this week. But, the, you know, obviously the defensive line is concerning. Um, played, you know, pretty well in the second half despite all those uh, injuries and, and lack of depth um, against the Saints. But, you know, you obviously got to be concerned doing that, you know, two, three weeks in a row just with, with, with backups. You know, I think with Dax Hill, there's a good point you mentioned there about potentially using him to supplement the coverage. He only paid, played three snaps on Sunday, and we all know that one big snap where he swatted that fourth down pass where Eli Apple tripped over. I mean, it just seems like this kid delivers over and over again. Luana Rumo echoed that, and I mean, he's a first-round pick for a reason. We, I think this is really going to be, a, in his case, a blessing in disguise where he gets more of an opportunity, but I really am high on Jermaine Pratt. I mean, obviously, we remember the interception he made against the Raiders in the wild card game last year. He had some pretty good coverage uh, against the Saints. He not only led the team in combined tackles, but 
he had some pretty good coverage. I think there was one play in the end zone where he swatted a touchdown, could have been a touchdown in the second half. So he's not a Logan Wilson, but he can do just enough to band-aid, like you said. Uh, but, you know, the concerning thing with Logan Wilson with his injury, it looked like the shoulder that he hurt because it seemed to be a shoulder injury. It was his right shoulder. That is a problem because he had surgery on that after the offseason last year. He tore his labrum during the season, missed a couple games, but still played through the postseason like a warrior and then had surgery. So he already played through the postseason pretty much injured. And to have that surgery and to hurt that shoulder again, I do worry that it won't be long term. Hopefully not, but the significance of specifically that shoulder, I do wonder how long it'll take him to get back to 100%. Yeah, and I mean, the risk with losing a guy like Wilson is that you lose a guy that can do so much. I mean, we saw the you know the pick that he had against the Jets where it was kind of like a like a Tampa 2 look where he kind of dropped deep into coverage, made a pick. I mean, he fumbled at the end of the, recover, at the, end of the return, but uh, the Bengals got it back. So, like, he, he's one of those players that can really do a lot. Uh, you know, where's the green dot? So I think that that's not nothing I, I don't know if it's necessarily a big deal but it's not nothing when you're changing up the guy who who does wear the does wear the, the helmet with the green dot you know calling the plays getting the calls in like that so you know to me and, and you know Muhammad you were kind of talking up Dax Hill there like Dax Hill's shown promise but the man played three plays yesterday like I, like there are rookie mistakes that he's going to make. Sure, and, of like, course. And there are there are issues that just come with replacing a Logan Wilson. And like you know, because like I said, you know, you can do supplementary things, sub packages, things like that. It's just there's not a one for one replacement for a DJ Reader, and there's not a one for one replacement for a Logan Wilson. So like this defense has been. You know, they're, it's funny, like, everybody kind of looks at this defense that has been so great, and they have been, because there's not, like, a Aaron Donald. There's not, like, an, a guy who everybody points to and says, like, that guy's a top one, two player in his well, position. I think Trey Henderson. I Trey Henderson's up there, but, he like... He might disagree with that. He's up there. I, I might disagree with that, too. I would love to hear you say that to him, his face and say, you're not a top player. I don't know if you make Let's it out of the locker room. So, right. uh, if we're going to talk defensive ends, is he better than T.J. Watt? No, but yeah, I mean, okay. Well, then I mean, he said I'm, top. I think he's he's a yeah. Top he's a top. Level. He's a top level like, I, player, I, but, I mean, but he's I not a top a, one or a two guy. That's elite, what I meant. Elite, elite is elite. Like he's a disruptive player on down to down to down basis. Yeah, and the sacks don't show so, it. He's been really really so good this year. Yeah, he's more pressure. But I'm just saying. I mean, if you believe this, you should say it to his face. So but um, <laughs> oh, I want to see that. I, I, I don't know I, if you'd make it out alive. I think that did our healthcare kick in yet? By the way, just out of curiosity. Yeah, might yeah. Wait wait for a little. Wait for a couple more weeks. Workers comp too. Yeah, and I mean, you know, workers' comp doesn't cover stupidity. With a, you can make an argument with a Ben Ben don't break defense, though. You know, you're going to give up yards without Logan Wilson and some of these guys. It might just look a little less pretty. And I, they're at the point where they don't care about style points; they just want to kind of stack wins. And you're like we said, where you're in the soft part of the schedule. And I think they should still be able to do that um, without you know the guys we've we've talked about. I think is kind of crucial as Logan Wilson is or, or the upside he brings over some of the guys that are right. behind him um, is significant. Is it significant enough to lose a game against Carolina? No. Cleveland's playing terrible. Carolina's bad. Uh, against a Cleveland team that's not going to, you know, that's still without Deshaun Watson. They lost by 23 yesterday to the Patriots. And, I and they're on their really third string quarterback. Third string quarterback. Yeah. Um, who's good, and, by the way, Atlanta, still. who's sort of been up and down this year. So 
I, you know, you, you know, I, I don't want to undersell Logan Wilson's talent like you insulted Trey Henderson and his right. family. Exactly. But like, uh, <laughs> yep, you, you know, know me but, telling but, Trey but, Henderson terrible. No, but I'm just. But my point is more about the competition that you should be able to make it through, and and you know they're they've got enough depth and other spots to, and they've got a defensive coordinator that's very right. good that knows how to scheme, um, you know, with his group and and, yep. and, and play to their strengths. So. I think they'll be able to make it through. You know, I think the hope is that you avoided something serious with Logan Wilson, like you mentioned, with the shoulder. You know, if he has to miss the season, then then it's a different equation. Right. But, uh, if you can just get these, if it's this, if it's this part of the schedule block where you're not healthy, you can survive because, you know, you're just playing bad teams. I, yeah. Because yeah. once you get to Pittsburgh, who again in this case has a Najee Harris, and then you get to. Uh, Tennessee, who has Derrick Henry, and then you get to oh, I mean December. That just gives me nightmares looking at it. Yeah, December is a, a whole. the month where debate. you want your team healthy. So, right, that's you know, a right nightmare. Now, right now, I think you could you can survive, and that's what what, what I think they're going to try to do. Well, that was kind of what we were talking about on Friday about T, right? Like right. T and Jonah. It was like if, if 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 there's a game that you know these guys are not a hundred percent that you can play them at. Like, or that you can sit him like, and it sounded like that. their plan was to rest him a bit, and then he just got and then going he just and played, he, was just yeah, he just well, felt so fine, yeah, they, that they were fine. But it's you know they they had a game plan that was kind of the opposite, where they right. thought we could probably get away without you know using right. every down. He just felt good enough, so you know, and if T, and if T Higgins, you know, T. Higgins, Higgins you call fine, your yeah. shot, right? So it's fine, but um, you know that that's. It, they know, you know, they know what teams they're facing. They know right. what they need. Yeah, T, you know, that was really interesting. I saw, you know, he didn't play on the very first snap of the game. You saw a lot of Stanley Morgan and Michael Thomas. But w- once he kind of got into a rhythm, I think he played at least 60% of the total snaps. So he played most of the game, and he looked great. T? T Higgins. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think it was more than that. I think, right. it, was like eight, I think it was like 80-something percent. Oh, yeah, he, it was up like, there. Jamar and Tyler Boyd were on the field a lot as Mike scrambles through his uh, I might packet. have the yeah. snap counts I think they have the snap counts at the back. Um, but, yeah, like T. Higgins, like he was on the field for yeah. the majority of the game, and he didn't play. I remember he wasn't on the field, I think, for the first two snaps of the game. First couple, yeah. And then he would. they put him in for that third down where Burrow got sacked. And then I don't think that second drive, so he, like, really from after that, like, second drive of the game, he was pretty much in the game the rest of the way. Yeah, he dropped a few targets to start, obviously shaking off some rust, but from there, for what he did, he looked fine, and he seemed very jovial after the game. And so, of course, that'll make uh, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and, you know, the Bengals faithful jovial. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big bonus. I mean, you cannot understate T's significance. But the good thing, I know we touched on this a little bit Sunday, but, you know, just to kind of really backtrack on it, I mean, Tyler Boyd, Getting going is good because obviously he has his own you know role in the slot uh, as Zach Taylor mentioned and that's you know speaking for itself on film. It just seemed like he was really comfortable. It seemed like he was really doing his thing and you know a lot of the attention was on Jamar Chase and rightfully so. But you know had it not been for Chase's big game and the homecoming atmosphere, I mean we'd be talking a lot about Tyler Boyd. And I think it you know it's so easy to forget that he's a seventh year vet. This is his seventh year with the Bengals and. You know, a lot of the attention goes to Jamar, goes to, you know, the younger players. But he's been here for a long time. And I think that veteran experience, it can be easy to forget sometimes. But it, it's it's been critical. And I really think that's going to be one of your go-to guys down the stretch. Well, I still think it's all just Joe Burrow dependent. I mean, uh, Zach Tyler talked about it today. That, right. You know, it's his decision where the ball goes. I mean, he said, you know, one play, was it to mix in where it was like made one through five reads in like five seconds. Yeah. And yeah. Then, you know that's where he went with it. You know that was the RPO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boyd doesn't get to call you know, where he was the ball. Ball goes where Joe Burrow says, and he's making not only those kind of calls, but on RPO whether to keep handing it off 
or to pull it back uh, on those short passes, whether to take you know, the deep routes or the shorter routes. And, you know, Taylor was very complimentary of kind of all the decisions he was making in that game because they all were coming up, you know, sort of aces, you know, just in terms of uh, distributing the ball, uh, you know, picking apart, picking apart the right part of the defense that, you know, they had the soft zone coverage, um, you know, giving, mixing in those runs with Mixon, even though, you know, some of the looks, you know, um, he could have probably taken advantage of in the passing game. So, you know, Boyd is consistent when he gets the targets. Right. But, the, but Burrow is the ones that kind of the stat lines and those targets are split up basically just basic with what Joe Burrow sees from the defense. And that, that Zach talked about that today, just how well he managed that game. Yeah, the, yeah. the you know, Zach also kind of joked like they don't care about stats, but we do. Um, so and and me, Lou Anaruma actually did a little bit, which we'll get to. But to, to me, the... I look at Tyler Boyd not so much as like an input of the offense, more of an output, if that makes sense. Like, I don't look at Tyler Boyd as like, like, obviously, I mean, this might sound very basic. He's not what makes this offense go. Like, if you go into the game going like, Tyler, we need to get Tyler Boyd the ball number one. Like, I don't know if that's a great place to start. But like, if Tyler Boyd is putting up six catches for 66 yards, like that to me is a, a good sign is a symptom is that the yeah. offense that's is rolling. That's what I mean. That's what because I mean. like, you, like I said yesterday, and like, you know, we brought I brought it up last week too. Like, Jamar and T got to get the ball. Like, they're of, Jamar no, of course, and T Higgins. of course. So like, but to me, when when you have those guys getting the targets that they're getting, and then you give that, de- you know, you give defenses that third option to think about. To me, that is where Tyler Boyd's going to make his hay this year. And like, don't get me wrong, like Tyler Boyd it, on a many many rosters in the nfl is a number two receiver like so like tyler boyd is kind of playing uh, a role that maybe he's overly qualified for right now but i don't know that he looks as good without a t higgins i I agree i agree but i think like if you know if if you know if if the bengals had drafted dropping passes he's productive with what he gets and so that's, that's what i've been trying to be say celebrated you know, yeah right he's and making the most of every opportunity he gets. which is what you need him to do and right, i think exactly. he can do that and like when when he is making you know six catches for almost 70 yards like that to me is just terrifying for opposing defenses because we saw like jamar chase like I watched that play back, like, um, you know, one of the things, like, I don't know if I fully appreciated it when we talked about it yesterday, but, like, th- the way that he caught the ball and then immediately turned up field, and uh, I think Mike asked this question to Zach specifically, like, the acceleration that he had to beat Matthew down the sideline to point. shake like, Roby. And, and I asked, like, the guys in the locker room, too. To like, just what, get upfield but, fascinating. But which, play, which is more impressive, the catching while you're basically getting tackled, to turn around, then outrace the guy? Like, is it the acceleration that's the hardest? Is it the breaking the tackle? You know, like, which part is hard? And everybody had a kind of a different T. T like the yards after the catch and just the, the foot race. And um, But that acceleration, like you said, you know, uh, Tyron Matthews cutting across the field and has an angle to him yeah. and, and has shorter distance to go and is – you know, ends up just twiffing at his feet. Yeah, I don't so, I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, and he's not, uh, you know, he's got he's got a beat on him, and he yeah. still can't even come close. You know, that, that output makes sense. What I meant to say was, you know, that experience of knowing what to do when you have the ball, when you try to make those cuts. Like, when you're in those situations, that veteran experience definitely helps with that. I'm sure he has advice to give, but that input's not as significant as the output like you mentioned. But, yeah, no, and that, that's something that's really going to be scary for a lot of these defenses for a role that he's – very much so overqualified for but a funny point you made just moments ago about how you know zach says we don't care about 
stats. What we do, and I mentioned Lou Anarumo usually says the same thing, but when he looks at 164 rushing yards allowed at halftime, even though it got better in the second half like it always does with this defense, uh, that is a problem. And again, we've talked a lot about what happens when you don't have your DJ reader and now you're Josh Tupo and everything. And so with that, I guess, could we possibly see, because he, he, he kind of touched on this saying, you know, you're going to see more output from guys like BJ Hill, obviously, who played, I believe, almost the most snaps he's played in the game. So then kind of expanding on the outside of the line, does that mean we see more from Trey Hendrickson or more from Sam Hubbard? Because they were two well, of the more, best players. More in, more in what regard? I mean, they're going to play end, obviously, but like, do you see maybe things being drawn up differently to where they try to supplement the loss of what they have on no, the interior. No, you can't because you can't do that because then, like, I mean, like Mike was joking with me about this about uh, insulting everything that Trey, Trey Hendrickson has ever loved or known. <laughs> uh, but no, like Trey Hendrickson has legit, like, I think he has two and a half sacks this year. Yeah, I would have like, oh man, I would have lost that bet because I would. It feels like he's had so much more because he's been so disruptive and so good, and like you just can't take away from what Sam and Trey do. Like that was kind of what we were well, talking I about with the defensive tackles. Like you, the, you have to make sure that your ends are doing what they do best. The important thing to note was that Lou attributed essentially the the production that they had on the ground to essentially three missed plays, yeah, which accounted didn't for fit the gaps, yards. right? And um, there were missed tackles on each of them. In the jet sweep, he said that you know there's almost four missed tackles, and so that kind of contributes to sort of the ugly numbers. And if you can take those three plays away, and you kind of have a, have better you know individual effort on on, on some of those. Um, you know, fits you. You don't have that sort of ugly, ugly number on the board. So you know, he's he was happy. Uh, I I think with just the overall performance. I think unhappy with you know that first half and the, the run defense. But they didn't allow a touchdown in the second half. He said, you know, he pointed out, you know, everybody knows the lack of sacks, but they're top five in the league in pressures, and so they're disrupting things. Uh, they just haven't been able to finish at times. Um, and then the other play, you know, you take away, and he mentioned that penalty on third and twenty-five, which Drake committed. Yeah. Um, he said, you know, you take that one away, and you know they're down sixty yards on a field goal, and so you know the the, the box score looks even better. Um, so they made some mistakes in that game that I think he was frustrated about, but um, things that I think are easily cleaned up, and I think they still feel good about the defense. Oh, rightfully so. Yeah, and the, the confidence was very much there. I mean. You know, someone asked Anarumo, so, you know, how frustrating is it? Or I guess how worrisome is it rather that you don't have a set gameplay? And he goes, we're not worried about that. That's day to day. We're confident. We'll be fine. I'm really and really I believe that like it is going to be worrisome when you have to like call up practice squad players and maybe get those waiver wire pickups from guys who have been cut. But the biggest thing I think we could all agree on is it's an easy schedule until the bye, for the most well, part, I, except Cleveland, obviously. I know with well, Cleveland, no, that's going to be I, an I issue. I don't even know about that, man, because, like, okay, like, one of the things that really kind of hit home, we talked about this yesterday, but one of the things that really kind of hit home for me, like, last night and this morning as I thought my plane was going down from O'Hare on my way back, <laughs> uh, oh, it was terrifying, but, like, one of the things that I just, like, I really kept coming back to this, like, Imagine we're doing this podcast because there is an alternate universe if you believe in this type of thing. Sure. That we there is an alternate universe where we're doing this podcast right now with the Bengals at two and four, having come off a loss where the Saints didn't have Marshawn Lattimore or Chris Olave. They didn't have Chris Olave. They didn't have Michael Thomas. Or Jarvis they Landry. didn't have Jarvis Landry. And like where do you go from there? Or Peyton Turner. Where do you right, like where do you go from that point? 
I don't know. Well, that's scary. So, like, that is like, scary. Like here, like so. Here's the thing. Like, like I said, anybody can beat anybody. Like, it, if this year has taught me anything, and it, it, like, if you don't already know this about the NFL, like, right now it is the Bills, it is the Chiefs, uh-huh. it is the Eagles, and then you got like three teams at the bottom, which are like the Commanders, the Bears, and the Panthers. And then it's just a pit of eternal screams mm-hmm. for the rest of the the rest of the twenty six teams in the country. Um, is, so I, I, I don't know why little, I said it's country. A little, it's a little, little like, more narrow than that. It's a little though. more narrow than that. But like my point is that like you have the teams that really really suck, and then you have the teams like the Bills really they, really good, sure, and you, that are really really good. So like, I, I mean, the Browns are in that category. Like if like the Bengals have like we mentioned, they play the Falcons, they Panthers. play. The no, well, they play the Falcons. They play the bank, uh, the the Browns, Browns and then on the Monday Panthers. Night Football. Then they play the Panthers. Then they play at Pittsburgh on Sunday Night Football. Well, the bye week flexed. in Pittsburgh. Then you play Tennessee. Like at Tennessee, if they, like they're three and three right now. Like if they go three and two out of this stretch, and you get to what would that be six and uh, six and five? Yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. But like if they lose to Atlanta, like I would be surprised. But I wouldn't be like, how could this happen? Like, you can lose to anybody. So, like, that that win yesterday really kind of solidified for me that, like, it didn't save their season, but it brought them back from I the mean, brink of disaster. Depending on how because the season if, if goes, lost, it might have. lost yesterday, we would be sitting here right now doing the, the age-old sports question, is it a must-win on Sunday or a can't-lose? We'd be doing that whole cliche thing because you can't be – you can't if you go to two and five, you're cooked. Oh like, no! At that point, you're done. So, like, to that win yesterday, I really just the more that it sets in, like that really, and the way that it happened, like Zach mentioned, that I think really kind of it just solidified a lot of things that you can do moving forward. I mean, like you said, maybe it didn't save the season, but what if we we go into another alternate universe, like ten weeks from now, where we're like, wow. What if that Saints game didn't go the way it did? Like, what if that drive didn't go the way it did? Right now, it's hard to say, but, I mean, you never know. I mean, well, then, then it really point, might have. Then you get to the point where these things start adding up. Like, I, I looked at you guys yesterday, like, during the game, and I was like, like, when when the Saints – I forget it. I think it was when the Saints had the ball, and I was like, they um, – I was like, if they lose this 26-24, uh, to 24, their four losses will have come by ten combined points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At that point – like, I, I get it. Like, the small sample size, I get the beginning of the year. Oh, it's so tough to lose in the last play, blah, blah, blah. At some point, they start to add up. And that yesterday yeah. would have been the first day where you're like, okay, this is really a problem. Because yeah. like, now you, you have to start swinging these games, and they're just not. Well, I don't think they think it's as unique as we do. Because, I mean, I was looking at it. It was like they had 12 one-possession games, including right. the playoffs And that's just year. the NFL. So that's where they kind of lived. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know the splits off the top of my head. It's like how many... They won and lost, Come and on, what the Mike. margin of victory was. I don't have that memorized. <laughs> Do your um, best. <laughs> but um, so I mean, I think I just think that they know what it takes is right. required to get to the playoffs here, and this is what it's going to take. It's going to take a lot of close wins to, to to sort of get back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A long God, it really is a, a longer season than we realize sometimes. But yeah, a lot of I things. Oh man, it's already like almost the end of October. It feels like it's kind of moving. There's, but there's still a lot of football to go. Still I mean, a lot we're of football still left. not even halfway there, which is great. I mean, bring it on. I mean, the more the merrier. But before we let you go, folks, I promise you, like, don't don't get sick of me because you will thank me for this later. I promise. Cincinnati football. Insider, CFI, however you want to remember it. 14-day free trial, the best insights, bonus content from your favorite 
Bengals reporters. 14-day free trial where you will be charged at the end of it for $4.99 a month. Sign up by going to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page or send a text to 513-949-4147. All right, stay tuned. Later this week, we're going to start getting into the Atlanta Falcons, everything about them, what makes them tough, and how the Bengals will stop them. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We'll see you back here soon. Take care.